Now, the Rebbe didn't say that. He said, Hanukkah is all about illuminating the darkness. We figured out that might have something to do with the reason we light at night, because we're just, you know, so sharp. Right? Okay, but, but fine. Now, what was the darkness? The darkness of the Greeks. <coughs> and the Rebbe had just explained to us, that's where we stopped, that the Greeks were metames a shemen shebehechel. That's what it says in Alanisim, right? That they were metames a shemen shebehechel, a shmonim shebehechel. Hechel is the ninth level of the ten levels of Kedush in the Beis Hamikdash, going up. The highest level is Kedush Hakadoshim. Hechel is Kedush, a very, very powerful level of Kedusha. That in that level itself, the Shemin Shebehechel is the is the is a, a transcendent level of. Reality, because that's what Shemin is. So it's just stuck there. That's what Shemin is, right? And Kadesh means transcendent. What does Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh mean? Everybody did their homework. We heard a few people saying it with real Kavana during Uvalit's year and then uh, in Shachris yesterday. Shemayim. What are the three different levels of Kadesh? Shemayim, Baaretz, and like for eternity. And time, yep, yep. Two levels of space and a level of time. What did God create? Space and time. Right? Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh means he's transcendent of space and time. Two levels of space. Interesting enough, which is first? No. Other one. Aretz. Uh, sorry, Shemaim was first, yes. It says Shemaim and Aretz and time. So Mordechai and I were wondering why. I've, I've never seen an explanation of it. I'm sure there is, even though Mordechai came up with an interesting idea. Why Shemaim first? You think first Aretz, then Shemaim. He's transcendent of Aretz. He's also transcendent of Shemaim. You would think Shemaim being a higher level than Aretz, generally. Right? And, and time. Why does it say he's transcendent of Shemaim? And so you would say, okay, so all, all the more so Aretz. Right. The Pasuk says that Shemaim... Well, which which was created first? That's a machlekes beisil beishamai, right? But just but but shut up. Of the first pasuk, the second time it's mentioned as ours. But okay, could be, could very well be just simple pshat. That's what it says in Bereshis, right? Mordechai mentioned that the malachim are saying this. Where are they? In Shemaim, so they mentioned Shemaim first. Mm-hmm. Right. Now that might even be on a deeper level that they appreciate the fact that the level of Elokus revealed in Aretz is greater than the level of Elokus. But that's only, it's only when it's Etzim. So there is, he's not Kadosh Etzim. So anyway, whatever, we don't know. We're not sure. We have something to learn in life. But at least now we understand what Kadosh 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 means. Since we say it enough, we should know what we're saying. Okay. And it was right there all the time. Right. <laughs> like so many other things. Okay. So Kedish is a state of Kedusha. And they were Matame. Their, the power of their Klippa was so powerful that they were, over to, they were able to, to overcome this level of Kedusha and defile it. It's quite something. They're impressive in their Klippa, the Greek, Greeks. Okay, and the Rebbe then points out that obviously there was some transcendent state of reality in, in the context of Shemen as opposed to simply the actual defilement of the Beis Amikdash itself <coughs> because after all, once we had conquered the Beis Amikdash back and we were Matiris, the Beis Amikdash, we purified the Beis Amikdash so then what, what, did, what did we have to do? We still needed an extra miracle, the miracle of the Pach Shemen and that's ultimately the, the miracle of the holiday. 
Okay, so we see that in addition to the defilement of the Mikdash, there was a defilement of something higher than that called Shem and Shebehechel. And in the miracle, so there was a miracle first of defeating them in the war and being able to be Matiris and Mikdash, and then also an extra miracle relative to Shem. And that's what we got yesterday. All right? <laughs> if it isn't a drill, it's something else. Okay, six 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 lines up in the bottom of page Yudches. We're just talking, saying inside, seeing inside the last thing we saw, we just talked about. In order to <clears throat> for them to be able to light the menorah, they required an, another miracle. Maschil mianes. Now the first miracle, maschil mianes. Shematsu pachet chad shem and tar chosim b'chayis mishal kain gadol. The first nace was, and this is, I believe this is the sheet of the Meiri. The Rambam says that the eighth day is shayech to the war, meaning we celebrate the victory in the war one day and then seven days for the miracle of the oil. I believe it's the Meiri who says, or is it the Ritva? The Ritva and the Meiri have two different sheets in 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 in. Um, I think it's the Meiri. The Meiri says, another Rishon, says that the, the first miracle was finding the Pach Shemen. Because after all, they went around looking to defile all the Pachim. How they defiled? They opened it, they broke it. Uh, okay? So we found one that they didn't find. Of course, we realized yesterday it was, you know, pretty large. It was large enough to hold enough oil to fill seven candles, and each candle, I think, I think it was half a liter approximately each candle. Right? I think. What should say? What's Khatom mean? What? What? Uh, sealed. Oh. So they found Pach Echad Shemen Tahor, Chosum, sealed, Bechaisme Shal Kayin God. The Chosum of the Kayin God. And what, what, what does that represent? That represents Ur Ein Sev Shalemai Lemishtal A level of godly revelation that's beyond the natural order. In other words, what? What is this? Pach Shemen represent a level of reality that the Greek can't see. He can't see anything beyond nature, the Greek. He's limited by human intellect and doesn't believe in anything beyond human intellect. And even the deities of the, of the pagan Greeks were deities of nature. Right? The deity of this and the deity of that. Right? The Greek can't see reality beyond nature, so the Jew can't. So there was a level of reality that they didn't see. And what was there, so to speak? After the incredible mysterious nefesh of the Eden, what did they see? They saw that pach echad. Now it happened, it was actually, this is the, mirac- the miracle of it. Really, we're talking about the ability to, to achieve a certain level of spiritual sensitivity. And yet that spiritual sensitivity, the ability to connect to a level beyond nature, that, uh, that brought about the existence of an actual physical pach shemen in Teva. But the Greek can't see that. It's his problem. He doesn't see anything beyond nature. He'll try to define everything within the context of natural reality. Shalagave Urzeh, that relative to this light, a level of such powerful godly light, which is the level that they reach. I mean, we're going to have to see. Of course, the Bible's going to explain all of this, right? This is just the headline. This is the headline of the beginning of the answer. 
Right? But the Greek can't see this level of reality. But the Messiris Nefesh of the Hashmonaim brought them to this point of connection to Elokus that they saw a level of Ur that Gam that darkness can't darken. A level of Ur that isn't affected by the darkness of physical reality and the darkness of the Greek. This light, not only is it not darkened by the dark, it illuminates the dark. It's not only not affected negatively by the dark, it affects the dark positively and transforms the darkness into light. They, they were privy to such an incredibly powerful revelation of Elokus after their mysterious nefesh, after the story. And that expressed itself in the Pach Shemen. That's the miracle of the Pach Shemen. Because it wasn't that there was some tiny little pach hidden behind a chair. No. It's right there in the middle, broad daylight. But the Greek can't see it because it was a level of reality that a Greek isn't sensitive to. But after their incredible Aveda, the Hashemonaim became sensitive to such a level of reality and saw a physical expression of it in the pach echot, in the Shemen. It was still chosim b'chais m'shel kain gadol. It was still sealed. <coughs> That also darkness will 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 illuminate. Vahavaya, We'll talk about that in a second. And havaya, yagia, yagia with a hay at the end, with an i in it means reaches or or expends effort. Without a hay at the end, it means to be meir to illuminate. It's a pasuk in Shmuel. Vavaya yegia choshki. Vatesefes vav, meaning what? What's havaya? Shem yudke vavke is the map of Sederish Dalshlus, the map of the natural order. What's v'havaya and havaya, meaning something beyond havaya, something where havaya is and. There's something and havaya. So what does that mean? There's something higher than havaya, right? Which of course there is, right? Shem Havaya is simply a name of a Kaddish Baruch So a level of a Kaddish Baruch beyond Shem Havaya. There is a level of Shem Havaya, Yud Kevavke, called Havaya de la which is a very, very high level of godly light. But Yud Kevavke, simple Pshad in Yud Kevavke, is godliness as it's revealed in Seder Ishtavshlis. Yud is a Tzilis, K is Bria, Vav is Yitzira, K is Asiya, Yud Kevavke, the ten spheres, Chochma Bina, and Malchus. Okay. The light, the source of the light of Seder Ishtashlis. Right? The, the light of Mamale. Right? Or Mamale. As, which we learned about, hopefully very well, in Basi Lagani. And almost everybody answered questions about it. Almost. Right, Michi? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time. I couldn't resist. <laughs> right? Okay. <clears throat> So we know about Mamale and Sarevim, and Yudke Vavke is a map of, of Seder Ishtalshalus on one level. Right? In other words, in Elokus. But Elokus within the, the, the Elokus is the source of the natural reality. <clears throat> what level of Ur is it that is transcendent of that level and therefore is not in any way, shape, or form affected by the darkness that's brought about down here in physical reality? Vahavaya. A level beyond Havaya. That's the Tesefis Vav. And that's why the Pasuk says, Vahavaya, the level that rel- that Havaya is an and to, right? <laughs> Milk and cheese. Okay, there's something other than cheese. Okay, if you just said and cheese, that means there's something before. Okay. 
So that level of Vahavaya, Tesefis Vav, is Yagiyah Choshki, and that's the level they revealed. All right, we'll see why. I mean, we've already talked about it. It was through their Messias Nefesh, but now we're just getting the equation. We don't understand the, any of the any of the panemius of the equation, but at least we understand the equation. Vezeu, and this is why now the Rebbe answers the question directly. Vezeu, Shinneris Chanukah, and that's why Neris Chanukah, Mitzvah, their mitzvah is Mishatishka Chama Dafka. That's why it's when the sun goes down. Because the whole power of the Chanukah Licht is to illuminate darkness. Ki inyan neres Chanukah, the matter of neres Chanukah, who lair sechayshich, is to illuminate the dark. Vezeu gam mashin neres Chanukah heim shmeina. Oh, another answer. That's also why there are eight. Because what does eight represent? Eight represents a level of ma'ilam yisaidu yistalshlus. Right. So now we understand why Chanukah is eight. We don't know why Sukkot is eight. But we now understand why Hanukkah is all about eight, because Hanukkah is all about a level of is beyond nature. That's what Hanukkah is about. So on one hand, it's a level that's so powerful that it illuminates the dark, so you light at night. The other is it's an eight-day holiday. Why is eight is all about beyond nature, and that's Hanukkah. Heim shmeina dafka, v'chein, yeimei de Hanukkah, this is the Gemara, yeimei de Hanukkah, tamnia inum. What's tamnia? <clears throat> what's a tough in Aramaic? Shin. Shin. So what's Tamnia? Oil. No, look at it. Eight. Shmona. <clears throat> what's an octopus in Hebrew? A timnon. Based on the Aramaic, interesting enough. It's called a timnon. It's got eight. An eight guy. Right? That's what a... Well, what does octo mean? <laughs> eight. <laughs> That's what it means, right? Okay, it's a timnon. From Shmona. V'chein yimei Chanukah tam ni'ainu. That's what the Gemara says. Eight days. Shemis bar Shmona. The number eight murder instructs, teaches, as we said earlier, canals, if all of. Al b'china, regarding a quality, shalamaylam yishtashtah, is beyond nature. Shemitzad in b'china zu, the relative to this level of reality, dafka efsher la'argam is chayshich. That's how you can illuminate the dark. You can't illuminate the dark with with nature because nature in 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 nature darkness exists. In order to illuminate the dark, you have to have a kayach more powerful than nature, beyond nature, transcendent of nature, kadosh, and that illuminates the dark. That's a level of light that, on one hand, might not be affected negatively by the darkness. But it might even be so powerful that not only is it not affected negatively by the darkness, it affects the darkness and illuminates the darkness and transforms it into light, which is obviously a higher level. <clears throat> okay, and that's Hanukkah. So we've answered two of our questions, even though we don't understand all the panemius of it, but with at least the, the basic equation we've got. Hanukkah is all about eight, therefore it's an eight-day holiday, it's all the Maile Misei Right. And, and the whole kayak of, of Hanukkah is the revelation of a level of godly light, which is eight, that illuminates the dark, so we light at night. So we, li- we, we answered our, 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 basically our second question, right. which was sort of an answer to our first also, and our last question. Okay. Obviously, there's a lot more to go. So let's go. Ubira inyan bavedis adam. The explanation of all this in Aravada. Yuva, and it can be understood by first understanding a mavur, as we 
have learned many, many times that that the, the, generally our Rebbe's Maimarim are based on Maimarim of the previous Rebbe and the Maimar we just learned, Padre B'Sholem, was based on the Mittler Rebbe's Padre B'Sholem. What the Rebbe is going to explain here is going to be based to a certain degree on the on the Friedrich Rebbe's Maimar, Hanukkah Maimar, from Tavshin Aleph, the Rebbe's first year in New York, first Hanukkah in, in, in America. <coughs> From the Drushe Kriktish Moichami Admar, the Friedrich Rebbe, the Zesha Yavonim Timuasa Shmanim Shabbechel, that that which the Yavonim, what did they do? So it's true they were Matam at the base of Migdash, but interestingly enough, when Chazal describe what they did, so they don't say they were Matam at the base of Migdash, they say they were Matam at the Shemet at the base of Migdash, meaning they were Matame something more Ruchani than simply something physical, even though obviously the base of Migdash isn't physical to the extent that it's a holy place in physicality, but but it's still phys- uh, uh, physical rocks, okay, there's a place. Right? No, they were Matame something beyond that. What's going on here today? That which Chazal describe again in 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 uh, Alanisim, which is what we say every day when we when we daven three times a day, when we when we uh, bench, we say it. So we say Alanisim quite a few times in Hanukkah. <laughs> Just the only way is a grenade, huh? We're not going to do that. <laughs> Their whole battle, their whole war, Isa was Milchama Ruchnis. The Greeks' battle against the Jewish people, yes, they killed us physically. There's no question. But ultimately, the Greeks were interested in destroying our, our Ruchnis, not our Gashmis. Their Iker Milchama was not to kill us. They started to kill us simply because we wouldn't let them destroy our Ruchnis. Right? But their Iker battle was, 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 was Ruchnis. Purim, the Iker battle was goof. They wanted to kill our bodies. Aye, that was also dependent on the fact, the Alter Rebbe says, and when we get to Purim, we'll probably learn a mimer and talk about it, but the, the, the Alter Rebbe explains that there was a, there's obviously a spiritual element to the extent that any Jew who, who denied their Yiddishkeit would be saved from the Gezeir of Haman. Okay, that's true. Right. But that being said, what Haman wanted to do was wipe out the Jewish people, the Gashmias of the Jewish people. The Greeks, the Greeks thought the Jews were very interesting people. At the Rabbah. We'll learn that later on in the Mimer, I mean, that we, it'll, be, it'll be important to notice later on in the Mimer, and it, even here we'll start to understand it, that, well, we'll see it by now. Let's just let's go a little further. We'll see it more clearly in the words. They weren't interested necessarily in wiping out the bodies of the Jewish people. Again, they did kill us, but because we didn't listen to their decrees. If we had listened to their decrees against Yiddishkeit, they were perfectly happy that we stay alive. They wanted to kill our, our spiritual reality, not our physical reality. Their essential desire, Again, in Alanisim, what do we say? The whole story is there. To make them forget your Torah and to move them away from the statutes of your will. That's what they wanted to do. 
And the Rebbe now points out something very, very interesting. Gam gufa, in this itself. In this that they fought against Torah and mitzvahs. Iker milchamtam, their essential battle, Haisa was negeda ruchnius, velukus the Torah and mitzvahs. What bothered the Greek was the godliness, the spirituality of Torah and mitzvahs. And that's why, again, we'll read this and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. The Zeu, and this is why it says, Lashkicham Torah secho. They wanted, it doesn't say they wanted to make them forget Torah. They want to make your Torah. Torah secho dafka. Right? Your Torah. Shagam Yavanim. Also to the Yavanim. They didn't care so much. She Yisrael Yilmadu Torah. The Yidin should learn Torah. Elo. Shiratsu Shalimada Torah Yeh. But they wanted that this learning Torah Yeh. Rakmitzada Seichel Shalvi Torah. Should be in terms of the intellect of Torah. Kihi Chochmoschem Ubinoschem Le'enei Amin. Because this is your wisdom and your, 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 your understanding in the eyes of the nations. The Greeks were very taken by Torah. The Greeks developed this thing called a university. Mine. Universities today are, are a, I mean, they're not because, I mean, they, I don't know when it happened, but it's in the last 30 years universities gave up on actual education and now they became trade schools. But it used to be that the university was about educating people in the, in the uh, sophistication of Western culture. That's what universities were about. They're not anymore. Right? People don't go to university to be educated. They go to university to get a job. But it used to be people went to university to get educated. About what? About Western culture. And then, you know, also other cultures, but mainly Western culture. What does that mean? Greek culture. Right? That's why every university has what? All over it. <laughs> Greek, Greek fraternities. It's all Greek. The Greek stuff in all of right. It's all Greek. Okay. Interestingly enough, in every major university, what is there? And in the library of every university, even not particularly a major university, what will there be? But every major university will have a Talmud department. Why? That's well, one of the great expressions of human intellect. Find me a greater expression of human intellect than Talmud department. Right? What work has been written by human beings that is more sophisticated than that work? Anything? Homer? I mean, come on. Like, Homer's one crack. That's like Baba Basra, and that's it. Done. Finished. You know? There's another... I mean, Lahavdil. Right? What could possibly compare to that book in terms of intellectual greatness? So it's all there. And the, every library will have it. Any library worth its salt will have a Talmud Bible. If it doesn't, it's a joke. It's a it a joke. Right? It's like not having, I know, Harry Potter. Right? Okay. Absolute joke. Just missing out on all the greats of literature. Right? Okay. Because it's one of the greatest works of human literature. It's not the greatest work ever written. Okay. Who said, who would say such a thing? A Greek. Because what does the Greek miss? The elocus in it. He does it. He he's more than happy that we should study Torah. Just stop talking about God when you study Torah. Just learn the intellect of it all because it's fascinating, amazing, incredible, sophisticated. Wow, God! Don't be silly. That's the Greek. That's the Greek in us. But that's the Greek. That's his, That's the whole power of the Greek. That's what he's interested in. That's why he'll learn it. Of course he'll learn Torah. Just don't tell me Torah is divine. Don't be silly. Is it sophisticated? Of course it's sophisticated. It's astounding. 
It's absolutely amazing. There's nothing close. In the annals of human intellect, there's nothing that is close to Talmud Bavli and all of the intellect that grows out of Talmud Bavli producing this unbelievably sophisticated and total legal system called Shulchan Aruch. It's, It's beyond belief. No one did anything like this. Not even close. But the Greek is, what's it got to do with God? Just leave God out of it. And I'm fine. Put God into it, I'll kill you. I'm not going to let you put God into it. Why? <laughs> that, that undermines everything the Greek is all about. Because the, the Greek can't see that. He, he, he's not sensitive to that level of reality. So the Greek has no problem with us, with us learning Torah. He wants this, your Torah. The Greek is the one learning Torah. Right? Now, they weren't exactly Greeks, right? They weren't Greeks. But I'm just, I'm just using this as an example to show that every educated person in the world up until, I don't know exactly when, but let's say up until the First World War inclusive. After that, it's no longer the case. But until then, every educated person in the world learned Torah. Goyim, right? When the, when, the, when the minister and the Russian government came into the Alter Rebbe's cell, now he, was, now he was religious, he was a religious Christian, right? So it's not a Greek, okay? But, but, but when, when, uh, when he came into the Alter Rebbe's cell and he asked the Alter Rebbe a famous question, what was his question? He asked him why God asks Adam where he is. Right, why did, why does God knows everything. And when Adam Arisha, well, after he ate lunch, so why does God ask, where are you? He knows where he is. Right. Okay. And what was and what did the Alter Rebbe say first? He knows it. You guys better know it. This Goyish minister in the Russian government knows Rashi's parish on that pusik. If you don't, then you're not even a Goyish Russian. You realize that, right? Okay. What What did he say? Doesn't Rashi say that's what Rashi says. Well done, Baruch Hashem. There's someone Jewish in the room. If you don't know Rashi and Chumash, then you're just missing out. That's Yiddishkeit. There's no such thing as being a Jew and not knowing that. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. You guys just don't take it seriously. Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Vichter is not forcing it down your throat, so you have to do it. But it, there's, that's Yiddishkeit. This is all of pace in Yiddishkeit. Five-year-old children know Rashi and Chumash. You just have to know it. Open up a Chumash and learn Rashi. Make it your business. Okay, that's what Rashi says. And the Russian guy knew that. Why? Because every educated person in the world knows that. Because that's what it means to be an educated person in the world, not to be an ignoramus. A guy, not a Jew, a guy. An educated guy a hundred years ago knows Rashi's parish on Chumash. Why? Because that's just part of the intellectual world that he lives in. Rashi, which is interesting, right? I mean, he's more Greek than Jewish. Right? He's a Russian. Even uses letters that are closer to Greek than what, you know. Okay, Cyrillic. Right? Just really interesting. It's fascinating. Now, I don't think the, I don't think Putin, <coughs> Putin or Macron or Boris Johnson and, or Donald Trump, maybe Donald might know if he talks to his daughter, right? Donald or any, or, you know, Merkel, all these leaders of the Western world, I mean, that just of anything to do with anything, I would assume. I don't imagine you would find any of them could say anything serious about any intellectual endeavor, right? 
what can you do? The world changed a little bit. Democracy has its advantages and disadvantages, right? To get elected, I guess you have to spend a lot of time trying to be electable and not so much time reading books, right? I guess, I don't know, whatever it happens to be. But I mean, a minister in the Russian government, who was he? He was an educated guy, right? So what did educated mean in Russia in, in the late 1800s, in the early 1800s, right? So it's stuck a long time ago. Right? What did it mean? He knew Rashi and Chumash, which is really fascinating, right? He knew other stuff also, obviously, right? I mean, if he just if he knew Rashi and Chumash, he would know other stuff. But I, he was yes, he was obviously a religious Christian. Okay, so he would read his Bible, etc. But that's pretty interesting. And it's not they're not all. Uh, remember, I, did, I had a student. How did I get to him exactly? Oh, I know Tucker. I had a student once who was a very interesting fellow, who was a Jew. Grew up Jewish, started getting into Yiddishkeit when he was a little kid, and 13 he decided he wanted to put on tefillin. His mother told him this is absolute nonsense, he's going to be late for school if he puts on tefillin, so stop putting on tefillin, don't you dare put on tefillin, blah, 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 blah. Well, she got what she wished, he ended up being a Jesuit priest. And uh, he, was a Je- he was a Jesuit priest. At one point, about, I guess he was 55, 60? So he decided he wanted to explore his Jewish roots. And he was a monk, right? He was like a Jesuit. You know, he, he, he didn't have any money. He didn't have his own clothes. He didn't have anything. He lived, you know, in wherever Jesuit priests live. And, and, and he used to say mass for the Kennedys. He lived in Washington, D.C. You know, the Kennedys used to come and hear mass from him. You know, was, he, he told me that he was like a really interesting guy. So he came to, he, the, 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 his, whatever they call brotherhood, I don't know, whatever they call it, his, you know, little group of Jesuit priests paid for him to come to Eretz Yisrael and learn about his Jewish roots, which is really itself quite fascinating, right? And, and so he came, and he happened to show, it at that point, uh, I was living in a place, uh, we, we were living, my wife and I were living in a place, in a, in a yeshuv in the West Bank, and I had a little yeshiva there of about 15 guys, uh, that it was tucked away in a beautiful little corner of Eretz Yisrael. We used to learn a little chassidus, a little nigla, and have a good time and dance a lot. And um, so he came there. I don't know how he, uh, how exactly did he come there. I think he came there because of a scent. I think he came to a scent, and the scent sent him there. And then our children got married. The guy runs a scent to me. I figured he sent me Mayor Toby, so I will marry his daughter. So uh, he came. This is 30 two, three, four years ago. He's since passed away. He came, and he started learning about, about uh, Yiddishkeit. He didn't make it in the end, unfortunately. Um, and why did I bring up Mayor Toby? Had to do with this. Oh, I know, Taka. So Mayor Toby, he, he, he liked this yeshiva, and he wanted to help fund the yeshiva. We didn't have any money, but he used to say mass for the Kennedys. So, so he, dis- he arranged for me to meet someone named Sergeant Shriver. Who's Sergeant Shriver? You ever heard of Sergeant Shriver? Okay. You ever heard of someone named Pam Shriver? Oh, so his daughter was married to the guy with all the muscles, who was the governor of California? Yeah, right. So his wife... Yeah, Maria, sorry, Maria, I'm sorry. Maria Schreiber, sorry. So, right, so his wife, who left him when he was, you know, fiddling around with the housemaid. So, so, uh, so his wife, uh, but that was Sergeant Shriver's daughter. Maria Shriver, who was evidently a, 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 a star in her own right for something, I'm not sure what. But, so who were the Shrivers? So Sergeant Shriver's sister was John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Kennedy Ted Kennedy's sister. He was a brother-in-law. 
And he ran, he, what, what he did in his life that was most interesting, why people know of him, is because when John Kennedy came up with this idea called the Peace Corps, so Sergeant Shriver is the guy who ran the Peace Corps. This Peace Corps, interesting idea, right? Sending people out to different places around the world to help people less fortunate than them. <laughs> Where have they ever heard of such an idea? Where did John Kennedy get that idea from? Maybe just, yeah, just up the, up the Jersey Turnpike, there was a gentleman in Brooklyn doing the same, and he saw, wow, that's a really interesting idea. So he came up with this very amazing idea called the Peace Corps. I don't know whether there is one anymore, but in those days, Americans used to go to American kids. It's also a way to get out of Vietnam. American kids used to go to different places all over the world and, and help out. You know, my, my, one of my best friend's brothers, they happen to be Americans, they lived in Canada, they're Americans, he got drafted, instead of being drafted, he went into the Peace Corps, and he went to Ethiopia for two years. Right, okay. Better than Vietnam. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So, so this was Sergeant Shriver. So, I, so I, I had a meeting with Sergeant Shriver. And Sergeant Shriver was a lawyer in a very, 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 very prestigious Washington law firm. And, of course, a couple of the partners were Jewish. And so he introduced me to these partners, and then, you know, anyway, things worked out a little bit. But uh, Sergeant Schreiber, I spent an hour and a half with him in his office, fascinating guy. Um, just, you know, interesting things in the office. A baseball bat signed by all the Washington senators of 1959, the baseball team, which doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, it was just an interesting place to be. It was in a, in a building called the Kennedy Foundation, right you know, downtown Washington, a block from this and a block from that. It was right, right in there, like the Tower of Power. It's right there. This is what was where this guy worked. And uh, what was part of the conversation? He asked, "How do you how do you study Bible?" So I I, I said, "Well, how do you?" So he told me that twice a week, he sits down with his priest, and they study Bible together. I thought that was really interesting. Like, you know, that he actually does. He actually studies it, and he learns that. Now they, you know, they have this whole extra part that's not true, Beseder. But I mean, okay. But he studies. He, that means he also studies what they called the old one. Right. So something like that. He said, "Well, how do you do it in, in your in your school? How do you do that? Assuming that that's all we do. Meaning Talmud Bavli. Yeah, I don't know whether he'd ever heard of that. Maybe he had. I'm not, I'm not sure. Probably he had, but." He wasn't so sure about that. But he assumed we study scripture, right? I mean, of course we do that. We are the people of the book. So we study scripture. So I said, well, um, the way we would do it, and we actually did have a class in the yeshiva in Chumash and Rashi and, uh, that met twice a week, and the guys would prepare for an hour and a half, and then we'd have a shear for an hour. And, uh, and so I said, well, you know, I explained how it worked, that we, the guys would go over Chumash and Rashi for an hour and a half, and then we'd talk about it for an hour. And, uh, and it would take us about a year to finish one weekly portion. So he's listening and he goes, whoa. That means you really understand it. <laughs> he says, yeah, that's the idea, is that we really try to understand it. Takes a long time, though. He was blown away. But he was a guy, non-Jewish guy. What was part of his life? Learning scripture, learning, you know, Jewish texts. Why? Because that's what you do if you're an educated person. Interesting. Less now, unfortunately. It was an interesting meeting with him, I must admit. Two phone calls. One was his daughter, you know, the, the governor's wife. Hi, dear, how are you? 
And in other words, he picks up the phone. Oh, hi, Senator. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? Like, who is this guy? Those were the two phone calls. His daughter is married to the... I mean, he wasn't the governor of California yet. He was just a famous movie star. And, and, uh, and, and he picks up the phone. Hello, Senator. And I don't know whether it was a senator. Was a senator or he's still a senator. Who knows? Because he was pretty old by then. You know, this was... He was... The Kennedys were... I mean, Ted Kennedy was still around, but the rest were certainly long, long, long gone. Did you look then like you do now? My beard was darker, mm-hmm. a little shorter, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 no, he we, we had a really good time. It was, it was, a, it, it was a, if I, I, he said he was very glad I came and it was fascinating. I found the whole experience fascinating also. Mm-hmm. Meeting this guy and seeing like, you know, here's this guy who was, you know, deep state, this is them. Like he's the deep state in Washington. You know, like now, what would he be doing? He'd be you know, hiring people to find dirt on Trump to you know get rid of him. That's what this guy would be doing. You know, deep state Democratic Party. These are the people who run the show. Right? Kennedys, right? I mean, my goodness. I mean, they're all gone now, but that's who <laughs> ran it then, right? That's who ran Washington in those days, right? And here he is learning scripture. It's like wild. It was amazing. And interested in it. That's all he wanted to talk about. That's what we talked about while we were there. It's fascinating. There are people, there's still people like that. Baruch Hashem. So who are the Greeks? The Greeks would love you to do that. But just take God out of it. Now he didn't. He did it because he believes in God, right? Okay, he was a, a religious Catholic. But the Greeks aren't. Lashkikum Torasecho. Torasecho Dafka. They didn't care so much, Yisrael Yomadu Torah. They made a decree against Talmud Torah once they saw that they couldn't get the Jews to learn Torah like you would learn it in a university. But if you're going to learn Torah in a university, the Greek has no problem whatsoever. Not a problem. Learn Torah in university. There should be a religious studies department in every university studying something about Judaism, and there is. There's your Judaic studies department in any major university, right? They can all study Judaic studies from someone who's not religious and doesn't believe in God. Right? No problem. That was my no? Isn't that true? You're shaking your head? <laughs> no, it's the worst thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely the biggest cleap out there. But I mean, okay. But it's there. It's very interesting. Right? That was my can we put away the phone, please? <laughs> we don't play with phones here. Right? This phone is here because uh, the people in Bangladesh want to learn Torah. But... <laughs> And Mordechai and I poke it now and then just to keep it alive. Right? They wanted that the limit of Torah should be only in terms of the intellect of Torah. Because that's, the, that's your wisdom in the eyes of the nations, meaning the nations realize that the Jews have this treasure called Torah. And, 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 and again, educated, sophisticated Western world, I mean, that's what they were into. You know, the Greek part of it, the Roman part of it was just into, you know, parties and, you know, I guess the university became Roman and no longer Greek, I don't know. I mean, the, the Greeks were, were the klipa of Seichel, right? The Romans were the klipa of Goof. Right? There's no sophistication in Rome, there's just Pashat klipa, toga parties. Right, but but the, the, the Greeks were, were Klippa, but it was sophisticated Klippa. That's why it was more dangerous, and that's why there might be Jews who will still, you know, think that Plato and Aristotle were, you know, serious. I mean, they were very serious intellectually. 
Even the Rambam will quote them now and then, right? Say that they said some things that were definitely of worth, but their basic position was what Hanukkah is all about, fighting that. It's a serious klipa. Ki milchamta. And their essential war, Haisa, was to make us forget your Torah. To make them forget. Right? Lishkoch is to forget. Lashkiach is the cause to forget. Es Yisrael. To make the Jews forget. That the Torah is the Torah of the Abishta. You want to sit and learn Torah? No problem. Just don't do it in the yeshiva. Do it in the university. Then it's okay. Because that Torah, that, that Torah is in no way, shape, or form threatening to the Greek. Other level. That Torah will focus on what the Greek thinks you should focus on, which is the intellect of it, not the alakus of it. Valderech zebe mitzvahs. So too regarding mitzvahs. Shemilchamas yavanim haisa neged alakus shele mitzvahs. The war of the yavanim was against the godliness of mitzvahs. Masha mitzvahs heim ratzene yizbarach. That which the mitzvahs are the ratzen of a kaddish baruch. And that's why, interestingly enough, what's the language chosen to describe what they wanted to do? The zeu laviram, to move them away, mihuke ritzeinecha, from the choik, hukim, what's a choik? A statute. And what's unique about a choik? What's not there? Intellect. Intellect, right. The aspect of ritzeinecha, interestingly enough, also, ratzein, lamay lamina seichel, the choik, and your Ratzin, two powerful expressions of levels of mitzvah that are beyond intellect. The Rebbe's going to explain that at great length, which is very important. Next, next paragraph, we'll see. We'll see that tomorrow. Specifically, Chukim, that type of mitzvah that has no basis in rational thought. Your ratzon, beyond your intellect. There's two explanations of this. Regarding the mitzvahs, edus and mishpatim, what's an example of edus? Shabbos. Shabbos is an aid. Any holiday. Right? Any holiday. Right? Pesach. Right? Edus are, are commemorating certain aspects of our history. Okay, so Shabbos commemorates the creation of the world, which we weren't there for, right? But, but Pesach, so we were there, right? Okay, so, so it commemorates our history. Well, every culture has holidays commemorating their history, right? America just had Thanksgiving Day. The Greek has no problem with Thanksgiving Day. I mean, maybe thanking God it annoys him, but I mean, it has nothing to do with, you know, I mean, he has no problem with, you know, setting records on Black Friday for how much Americans spent. It's a new record. Really? They're very happy. Right. It's all about Donald. His economy is so good that Americans spent over $7 billion on Black Friday. Baruch Hashem. That's a lot of money. Someone, someone did well. Right. Okay. Baruch Hashem. No, but that's good. That is good. It's good for everybody, right? It's good that the stores are doing well. It means people have money in their pocket. It's good. It's good for everybody. Baruch Hashem. That good, amazing, incredible. Okay, but the Greek has no problem with Thanksgiving. I mean, you know, you, you commemorate something that happened. Uh, you know, the, the the Greeks certainly wouldn't have Pesach. 
Of course, you, you were slaves in Egypt and you got out of slavery, so of course you're going to, sep- you're going to celebrate it. Whoa, 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 whoa. You want to talk about God? No, don't be silly. Leave God out of it. No, no, no. Take God out of it. No problem. Leave God out of it and it's fine. Mishpatim, even better. Don't steal. Don't, don't murder. Perfectly reasonable. All those, all those mitzvahs that resonate in human seichel. Perfect. No problem. Greek loves it. Every society has to have rules. Shall a mitzvah stay this mishpatim? Liyasim mitzvah sichlias, right? To the extent that they're mitzvah sichlias, hiskimu gami yavanim. The yavanim had no problem with those. Makes sense. Shabbos bothered them. Shabbos is one of their decrees, right? That we can't keep Shabbos. <coughs> Shabbos, of course, relates to the creation of the world, which is very challenging for the Greek, right? V'kol <coughs> milchamtam and their war. This is one pshat. Their battle was against the chayk. What do you mean you can't eat milk and meat together? That's ridiculous. It makes no sense in rational thought. Therefore, it's absolutely absurd. And you know, if we can do it, we're going to try to get you to eat milk and meat together. What does it mean you can't eat horse meat, but you can eat cow meat? Absolutely absurd. We'll you know, force you to eat horse meat or whatever. You have to shecht it, all, all of that. Kashrus. Kashrus is all a chayk. doesn't make any sense. Okay, in 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 Gashmias, in Ruchnias, it makes perfect sense. In Gashmias, it makes no sense. Okay, so the Greek has a big problem with that. Kol milchamtem, so was there milchama keneged a mitzvah to hukim hukay ritzenechem. He gave in sheifen kiyumam who rakmi bnei shem rutzen avaya, because the way of their fulfillment is only because they're the rutzen of a kadosh baruch hu. That's what a chayk is, and that bothers the Greek. He can't handle it. So that's why Chazal, when they when they when they told us what to how to describe what the Greek wants to do, it's Lashkicham Tara Secho, your Torah, Ulavin Michukeritzenecha Davka Hukim, which is your Ratzan, Perish base, the Aimakeser, a deeper level. The Zemasha Bikshu Lavira Michukeritzenecho, that which they wanted to move us away, Michukeritzenecho, who bechola mitzvis. That relates to all mitzvahs, gamba mitzvahs to edus and mishpatim, also the mitzvahs edus and mishpatim, and the Rebbe's going to explain that, let's just start Dalin. The Rebbe's going to explain how edus and mishpatim are ultimately also chukim. For you venzel peer you do. This can be understood based on that which is already understood. Meaning, if you learn the Friedrich Rebbe's Maimarim, so you ran into this. Right. Sometimes, you know, when the Rebbe says, Alpiyah Yedua, and he quotes, I mean, the Rebbe, and there's one point, I don't know where it is, where there's a footnote, the Rebbe says, Lafia Yedua, and the footnote is Tafresh Ayin, Tafresh Ayin Base. It's the famous memoriam of the, of the, of the Rebbe Shab Tafresh Ayin Base. Okay, fine. Very hard to say this, but, you know, people learn it. But the Rebbe said the memoriam before Ayin Base was printed. It only was printed first in Tafshin Lamed Ches, 19, what's that, 78. So how could anybody, how could, says, Kafir Yudu, as is known, and he quotes Ayin Base. No one had an Ayin Base. You couldn't buy an Ayin Base. So how are we supposed to know that? So that's when Yudu is annoying. Like, you're supposed to know everything. You can't even, you can't go buy it. Now, Baruch Hashem, thanks to the Rebbe, I mean, you should realize that the fact that there's as much Hasidus printed today is because of the Rebbe, because the Rebbe, one of the things the Rebbe started doing, as soon as the Rebbe became Rebbe, was start printing Hasidus, taking all the books that hadn't been printed, all the books of the Rebbeim that were still in manuscript form or whatever, and printing everything. So now we have everything. It's all printed. 
And that's because the Rebbe made sure that it all got printed. Worked very, very hard to make sure it got printed, and even was pushing when, when, when the people who were doing the printing weren't so happy to do the printing because it was costing them money and they weren't exactly making their money back, and the Rebbe was pushing them anyway, and it was very interesting. And they're all there, Baruch Hashem. You have everything you need from the Rebbe Shab, everything you need from the Rebbe Marash, everything you need from the Altar Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, the Tzemech Tzedek, it's all there. Why? Look in the front of the book. The front of every book will always say, printed, al sivui, shel That's what it says in the front of every book, except Ayin Beis. Ayin Beis, they asked to print Ayin Beis, and the Rebbe said uh, that he, they, they can print it, but not, he's not telling them to. No one knows why, but it does not say in the front of Ayin Base that this was printed based on the tzivui of the Rebbe. Because the Rebbe, when they asked the Rebbe to print Ayin Base, so the Rebbe said, you can print it, but not, I'm not telling you to. Raviol is convinced that that's why they, they printed it first in Tavshin Lamed Ches. The Rebbe got sick, Tavshin Lamed Ches. They printed it again in Tavshin Nun Base. The Rebbe got sick. And if you ask Raviol, that's why. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know these things. Why would the Rebbe not want it printed? Well, so who knows? No, let's do one line here. Yuvenzel Pio Yudua, this is understood based on that which is known. What's known? Shigama mitzvahs to edus and mishpatim. Also, the mitzvahs to edus and mishpatim, tsarach lekayim, be'ikr, a person has to fulfill them, be'ikr, mibneshem rotsan avaya. Because they're the rotsan of a Kaddish Baruch, kamehachukim. So we'll see the, the rest of this tomorrow. That, that, that also Mishpatim and Eidus are really hukim. And I will explain how that works. Because Mishpatim, people you generally understand a Mishpat is something that human intellect understands. So what does that really mean? Okay. Well done. <laughs> you didn't even let him speak. Yes, yeah, so I remember. I mean,